Hey friends, Devin Webb here. I'm the pastor here at Connect Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray this encourages and inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So honored that you are along for the ride. Hey, before you're seated, I know we've been standing and worshiping and a little different morning. For all you first-time guests, come on, Connectors, let her know we're first-time guests. We're honored that you're here. And different Sunday, but man, powerful. Can we celebrate once again all those that took that step in water baptisms? And woo! That's the best. All right, before you're seated, high-five somebody. Tell them they look like they lost weight. Tell them they look wonderful this morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So good. My goodness. How many just sense the presence of the Lord here with us this morning in a powerful way? Isn't that awesome? So grateful for these moments. Uh, the team works so hard, so diligently at creating these environments, these encounter moments. And I think it's, it's worth uh, giving our, our expression of uh, gratitude for all of the work that they do. Would you let Lindsay Davis and the worship team and the creative team and all that they do? My goodness. My, my goodness. You guys are spoiled every week and you don't even know it. It's amazing to... See that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys are spoiled every week. So just believe me when I say that. Um, where are my breakthrough folks at? From Breakthrough Conference over the weekend? And my goodness, what a powerful time we've had over the last uh, three days. This is my seventh time to speak this weekend. So if my voice isn't as strong as it normally is, I've been teaching a lot. I've saved, said way too many words. If I say anything cohesive or coherent in this service, it'll be a miracle of God. Uh, I'm just so grateful for these opportunities. And Ashley and I are so grateful for these last 21 days. How many know God's still moving? He's still wanting to do things in our lives. And, you know, we have these encounter moments and these seasons where we press really heavily in. But I want you to know something that it doesn't have to stop there. Like you don't have to just go, well, the 21 days is over. We stop seeking and pursuing. No, it actually could be the catalyst to the greatest year of your life. This will be the greatest year of your life if it's the greatest year of your life spiritually. And that's the critical component. And so you have to under, understand that. Uh, before we jump into the last part of what we've been covering over the weekends, these close encounters that people had with God, I have just a short message for us, and then we're going to go out of here celebrating again. Uh, I want to just mention to you, I mentioned to you last week, but Ashley and I would love to invite you to join us on our mission trip later this year in the summertime. It's the last week of June. They got the QR code up there. If you want to go with us, we would love to have you join us. We're working with One Hope, which is one of our main missional partners, especially when we do short-term trips. We'll be working in the schools with children and youth, distributing the Book of Hope alongside the local church, which is why I love One Hope's ministry, because it's always alongside the local church and through the local church. They're evangelistic ministry, but they know they need to be making disciples, and so they got to hand those off to the, to the church to do the work that only the church can do. So plan on making, I know um, we'll have two, of, at least two of our four kids on that trip with us. So we, we cannot wait. We're going to Columbia and we just give you the kind of the heads up so that you can plan around it so that you can kind of stagger kind of the investment and what that requires. I, I talked with someone this morning, so excited to go and already just really, really jones and to get overseas. Uh, first time on a mission trip and I can't wait to celebrate with them together. Um, you know, this, this series we've been in, 
I hope it's been an encouragement to you. We, we've been looking at these stories for, for you guests. Um, these encounter moments that people have had that we can then glean from and apply what happened in their lives potentially to what God might want to do in ours. And so we're going to close out uh, our time of looking at these encounters with Saul's encounter before he becomes the Apostle Paul. Now, if you don't know this story, Acts chapter 9. Now, we're soaping through Acts chapter 9 today. For, for you guests, we have a scripture reading plan. We read a chapter a day, and as a church, we're reading through Acts chapter 9 today, and you're reading through his conversion story. What's interesting about Saul's encounter is that he wasn't even serving Christ when he had the encounter. In fact, he was doing just the opposite. So who would become the Apostle Paul and write two-thirds of the New Testament at one point was overseeing the death and the murder of Christians. Now, that should encourage all of us right there that God can use anyone, everybody, right there. He was at one point overseeing the, the stoning and the martyrdom of people that were following Christ. And God has an encounter with him. He's persecuting Christians. The Bible says that he would breathe murderous threats against the disciples and that he would drag Christians out into the street. And God encounters him while he's on the way to continue doing what he's doing. So Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Look at this, amazing. As Saul neared Damascus on his journey, he's on his way to do more persecuting of Christians. He's on his journey. And I just thought it, it's really interesting for us here at the church because I'm often reminding you, you are on a spiritual journey. Now, you may not realize that you are, but you are. All of us are. And one of the things that we celebrate often around here is just the diversity of where people are at on that journey. Some of you, you don't even know about this God thing, and you're just like, I'm still kicking the tires on this Christianity thing. I'm, I'm just trying to check in it out a little bit. Maybe you would say, I have no interest in God at all. Um, I would also say um, you're in church right now, so maybe, maybe you do. Um, some of you, maybe you grew up in church, and you ran from the church, and the, the church hurt you, and you said, I'm never going back to that ever again. And here you are. Some of you maybe were raised in it and church was kind of the thing that you did, but you didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. I don't know where you're at on your journey. I just want you to know, Ashley and I, we love walking with people no matter where you're. I mean, what I got to do today and celebrate where people are at on, on their journey. Saul is going through life, doing his deal, and he has an encounter with God. Now, how many know encounters are not always planned? They're not always on your timeline. Not always when you want them to happen. They often happen when you least expect them. It's what we've learned over the last few weeks. I mean, Moses was on the backside of the desert, hiding, second-guessing the call of God on his life. Jacob, he was on the run, alone. Last week, Isaiah was grieving the death of one of his family members, and he has an encounter. And here we have Saul, not even a Christian, and Jesus literally appears before him. On the road that he's on his journey watch what it says in verse 4 and Saul fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him Saul Saul why do you persecute me now don't miss that Jesus took Paul or Saul's persecution of the church very personally and that interesting he says why are you persecuting me he basically says if you persecute the church you're persecuting me now i actually can understand that because the church is the bride of christ so uh, imagine if you're married if you have a significant other and someone is persecuting your spouse well you got issues now right because it's very personal to you that's how personal it is to to jesus 
And I love this next verse because this is one of the funniest verses, I think, in the Bible. I see humor in the Bible. And the question that Saul asks is hilarious to me. Look at verse 5. He says, who are you, Lord? (laughs) He answers the question in the question. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I I was thinking about that. I I I think a lot of us already know the answer to the question you've been asking. I think all, we already know the answer to the challenge you're facing, the frustration that's been in you. You just haven't been willing to take the step to the answer. I, I believe that Saul was already being prompted before this moment by the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit has been trying to get his attention. And Jesus is like, man, he's not responding to anything. I just got to go knock him literally right off his high horse. And he knocks him off his high horse onto the ground. Who are you, Lord? The question for you today to consider has the Lord been talking to you prompting you speaking to you have you been open to that have you been resistant to that I think you know the answer to the question you've been asking watch what the Lord says get up go into the city and what listen to the tone here how many know God speaks to us the way that we can handle it and the way that we need to be spoken to he loves us that much sometimes it's in a still small voice how many like the still small voice that's a good one. How many like the, like the two by four right in the forehead kind of like? Some of us, that's what it requires. And that's what Saul required. Get up, go to the city, and you're no longer in charge. You will be told what to do now. Now, I love that because he goes, I- I'm dealing with, because this is a bad dude. I mean, anyone that's overseeing people being murdered in the streets and smart guy, but man, he, he I mean, kind of calloused. And Jesus knew, we can't just play around here. God knows, listen to me, he knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. He knows that. And in this case, the encounter was literally just the beginning of a process in Saul's life. Like we have this moment with him and Jesus, and Jesus basically says, this is just the beginning. Now, I think that's important for us because a lot of us just keep looking to the encounter but we don't want to take the steps post the encounter. So we have a wonderful service here. We sense the presence of God. Maybe you even step into new territory. And then you leave here and you're like, man, can't wait for next Sunday to get another encounter. And I love encounter moments. By the way, I'm a church brat. I love church. But I can't just be bouncing from an expectation to encounter, to encounter, to encounter, and expect that to carry me in the moments when I'm outside of this environment. What do you do when you're outside of this environment? There are steps that you can be taking, and I think this is what Jesus is trying to communicate to us today. Day 22 and beyond, wonderful 20 days, 21 days. What do I do now, Devin? We can learn from Saul's encounter. Day 22 and beyond, this is what we see in Saul's life. Verse 7, and the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see what he was seeing. And God, he got up from the ground... But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So you got these guys traveling with him, and they they don't understand all that's going on. Saul gets up off the ground, and now he can't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. God brings him to his knees, this man of authority, power, abuse. He literally brings him to his knees. And by the way, all of us have to come to that moment where we go, you know what? Boy, life can bring you to your knees, can it? 
one phone call, one text, one diagnosis, an illness in a family member, one crisis, and all of a sudden, wait, that wasn't part of the plan. And now he's having to be led. He's blinded and having to be led by some men that surround him and lead him and actually become an integral part to him stepping ultimately into his calling. Three things that we can learn from this encounter. Here's the first thing. I need the right people leading me. And you do too. Now, let me also just say, be very careful who you let lead you, especially when you're not seeing well. Especially when it's a little cloudy for you. You be careful who you let take you by the hand and start leading you. Paul, in a vulnerable place, who would become Paul? So critical. The people that you allow to speak into your life, so critical. You show me who you're listening to, and I'll show you what your life is becoming. Every time. Every time. I mean, every time I get that call from the mom, hell, pray for Johnny. What's going on with Johnny? Well, he was doing great. And then 99.9999% of the time she says this, he started hanging out with these guys. Yeah, because you want to see what your life's going to become? You show me the circle that you're hanging with. I promise you. Proverbs chapter 13 says, become wise by walking with the wise. Now, that's not a complicated equation. I mean, that's, that's pretty simple. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. And how many, could have, how many have that testimony right there? Yeah. Come on, who, who has that testimony? I was walking with the wrong people. Okay, yeah, I'm with you right there. Yeah. Here's the question. Who's leading you right now? Besides Jesus, I understand. We need encounters with Jesus. But who are you entrusting some areas of your life to? Who's walking with you? I love this quote from Kevin Eikenberry. He says, look carefully at the closest associations in your life, for that is the direction you are headed. That's powerful. The reality is, in order to get where God wants to take you, it's going to require you letting some people in your life, letting them speak to some things, letting them counsel you on some things. It's going to require you to get honest. I know that's painful sometimes. It's going to allow them to be honest with you. It's going to require accountability. I know that gets uncomfortable sometimes. This is what's required. You're going to have to let some, I know, you're going to have to let some people in. Some of you, you're just walking through life like, I ain't doing it. And you let one person determine how you're going to interact with the whole of humanity. You let one person hurt you, and now you decided, well, that's it. I'm not doing it with anyone now. In the grief moment, I'm telling you, you're going to need some people there. In the confused moment, in the crisis moment, in the blind moments of our lives. We need the right people leading us. The, the Bible says that Saul didn't eat for three days. He was blind for that amount of time. And this man that had functioned from a place of power and authority was now having to trust these men to get him to the right place. And you're going to have to trust some people. Simultaneously, while these men are leading him to Damascus, God speaks to a man named Ananias. And he tells Ananias, you're going to go to this house and you're going to pray over Saul. He simultaneously gives Saul a vision that a man named Ananias is going to come visit him in that house. Look at verse 17 now, Acts chapter 9. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you. Why? so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, 
something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. Now, he not only saw again, but he saw differently than how he did before. He doesn't see the same way anymore. And what I felt like I just needed to tell someone this morning was, you know, we all want people to be there and present in our lives. We want people to gather around and pray over us. But you have to get in the house in order for that to happen. Saul had to get to the house first. And some of you, you come to this house, but then you're like, oh, that connect group thing. (laughs) But I sure do need someone in the crisis moment. You got to get in the house in order for you to experience what can really be happening in your life. So you have the encounter moments, but it's going to require some steps from you, day 22 and beyond. You not only need the right people leading you, you need the right people praying for you. Present, engaged, involved. Does anyone right now know what they need to be praying about for you right now? Does anyone know? Does anyone know the greatest need of your life right now? Are you the only one praying about that? Wouldn't you like someone else praying for you and with you that God would strengthen you during this season? And what I love about this is that he sees so differently that he's no longer blind to the things he didn't see before. Let me me say it this way. You never see your blind spots by yourself. (laughs) I know you didn't like that, did you? I know it's okay. But we all have them. How many many have blind spots? How many have blind spots? Some people are like, I am never raising my hand in church ever. There's your blind spot right there. I mean, it's like... (laughs) welcome so the question isn't whether or not you have a blind spot the question is can anyone talk to you about the blind spot can anyone say hey I see something in your life I'm watching I have people that do this to me they're like hey that's not right I saw that interaction the way that you handled that and they can speak to me you need to have people that know you well enough that are praying for you that are involved in your life why so that the scales can fall off your eyes and you can see what you didn't see before The right people praying, the right people leading. But it's going to require you letting some other people in, getting involved, giving you a different perspective. You need an Ananias in your life that shows up and puts his hands on you and goes, Brother Saul, I'm here to pray for you. I want the scales to fall off your eyes. James chapter 5 says to confess your sins one to another and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be, come on, say this word, so that you may be... So 1 John says that we confess to God for our sins to be forgiven. Only Jesus can forgive your sins. But this is interesting because he says you confess to one another to be healed. I confess to God to be forgiven, but I confess to someone else to be healed. And some of us have been forgiven. Our eternity is secure, but we're carrying some things that we've never been healed from because we've never gone to the place of letting some people lead us and pray for us and get involved in our lives. I'm just saying it's the step you probably need to take. Day 22 and beyond. The Bible says Saul went immediately from that moment and he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the man that would say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This is the same one that would say, it is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that resides inside of me, that lives in me, and that reigns in me. Same guy. It's amazing the journey, the encounter. But this presented a challenge, and the challenge was this. Everyone knew him as a persecutor, not as a proclaimer of the gospel. In fact, uh, in verse 21 of chapter 9, it says the people were shocked, and they said, isn't this the man that was wreaking havoc on the believers? 
Isn't that him? Which, by the way, this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to do such a work that when people see you, they go, there's no way that's the same person. That you're a new creation in Christ. That the old has passed away. That the, the new is here. So watch what it says in verse 26. And he came to Jerusalem, and he tried to get with the disciples. Well, they were like, oh, no, you ain't fooling me. They were afraid, and they didn't believe that he was a disciple. These guys. And rightfully so. I mean, he's dragging Christians in the street and killing them. But I love this next verse. Watch this in verse 27. And only one person accepted Saul as a genuine disciple. One. Barnabas. Who became his advocate. One guy. One guy vouches for Saul. A guy by the name of Barnabas. One guy goes, no, no, no. Actually, I know him. I'm close enough to him. He's the real deal. Give him a shot. God did a real work in his life. I mean, God uses one person to literally change the entire trajectory of Saul's life. And he ends up writing most of the New Testament. Most of your New Testament is a result of one guy. Think about that. One guy. He uses one person. And for some of you, you are one relationship away. Listen to me from changing the entire trajectory of your life, the destiny of your life. One relationship, one conversation of someone speaking life to you. You not only need the right people leading you, praying for you, you need the right person believing in you. See something in you. One, it just takes one. And for some of you, you are one step away from getting in a connect group (laughs) with someone that will ignite you spiritually with someone that will change your mindset and how you see yourself and how you see God and someone that will move you toward your calling. One person that becomes an advocate and vouches for you and go, no, man, I'm your ride or die. I'm in this with you. I ain't going anywhere. One person is all it takes. You need some people to take you by the hand and lead you. You need an Ananias to pray over you. But you need a Barnabas to believe in you. Proverbs chapter 20. I love this. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. Listen here. Every single one of you have deep waters in you. Every single one of you. Someone needs to hear that. Has deep water. You have deep waters inside of you. It's not a matter of whether or not you have deep waters. Here's the question. Do you have one that will have the insight to speak to it and draw it out of you? One who has insight. And whether you like it or not, This is God's equation to you experiencing all that he has for you. It's his solution to the magnetic pool of life. Like, I know it would be like, wouldn't it be great if it just could be just you and God, and you and God have all the secrets, and no one needs to know anything that's going on in your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's not his equation. God's purposes for your life do not happen in isolation. They happen in community. His solution beyond Jesus being the foundation of your life Whereas for you to have someone come along and go, hey, I see something in you. You have potential in you. I want to speak to that, and I want to go on the journey to see what God does in your life when you step into it. One, Saul's encounter is the reminder that Jesus requires other people getting involved in our lives in order for God to accomplish all that he wants to accomplish. You're going to need it. I, I can't encourage you enough. Would you get in a connect group? Devin, you're always wearing us out on the 
Why? Why, why do I do that? Because I want to plan something else for you? Because you're not busy enough? And some of you are like, man, I wish I could. I'm working eight days a week, and I just can't do it, man. I just, hey, hey, take a step. I mean, we all want the more that God has for us, right? It's going to require you getting involved in people's lives and them getting involved in yours. Does anyone know that they should be praying about that in need in your life right now? I mean, is it just you and God? The encounter that Saul has would not, was not just about the encounter. It was about him getting equipped and empowered to step into what God ultimately had for him. It was, the encounter was the catalyst to his calling coming to fruition. The, the encounter was the first domino to fall in the journey of him stepping into his destiny. The encounter was just the beginning, day 22 and beyond. Maybe these 21 day, days have just been like, I can't believe this is fantastic. It's the beginning. God wants you to take some steps. It's the starting point. It's the launching pad for the calling that's on your life. God wants to encounter you, but he wants to take you on a journey. And maybe you hear these stories of people, you're like, well, good for them, you know. And you don't believe it for yourself. Maybe, maybe you just need to be encouraged. God has something available for you. He knows what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. Maybe if like Saul, you have kind of some questions going on in, in your mind. I think you know the answer to the question you've been asking. I think the Lord has been working in your life longer than just right now. I think he's been putting his finger on some things. I think he's been pointing things out. The things that you have chalked up is like, wow, that was kind of coincidental. No, that was God trying to get your attention. You know, who are you? Lord, that's exactly who he is. And that's exactly who he wants to be in your life. Thanks again for tuning in to the Connect Church podcast. Just wanted to say a special thanks to those of you that give so generously, make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the message, you can hit subscribe, share it with your friends, or even on your social stories. Thanks again for listening, and we pray God's direction and favor over your life today.